Well, good morning, everybody. Let's, uh, let's open our Sunday school with a word of prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you again today, Lord, just to just thank you for this moment, just to be in your house, Lord, to hear your word, and just to open your Bible, Lord, and to once again look at, at people that, that you when once you touched their lives, they became your followers and how they served you, Lord. And I ask you just to just open our hearts and our minds today, Lord, and, and maybe just one thing that would be said or, or read that we can, we can understand and it will mean something to us and change our heart, maybe change our life, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, guys. Well, we're still continuing through the, uh, <clears throat> the followers of Jesus. And I know we're only on part 11, but if you look at it, it's probably like 21 or something. There's a bunch of them. But, you know, just, I know, as a, you know, when I became a new Christian, you know, I knew about John the Baptist, and we knew about Paul, and, of course, you, you knew there was at least 12 disciples. You might could not name them all, but you knew they were there. But you didn't realize how many people Christ actually touched and how many gave their lives to him and just followed. And that's what we're going through, just to see that there's so much more that we don't know. <clears throat> and um, so we're gonna we're gonna start off with uh, another guy that we we're learning about. Let's turn to Acts chapter twenty-seven, verse two. And I know lots of times I'll uh, I'll say a name wrong, and I'll just keep saying it wrong, and you just have to live with it because I don't pronounce it right. So I've actually tried to to pronounce these better, and I, I've got help because my wife is better at pronouncing names than I am. So we're going to start off with a guy that names uh, Aristarchus. 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 I hope I get that one right, Aristarchus. But we're going to start off with this guy. So in Acts chapter 27, in verse 2, the Bible says, And entering into a ship of Adramatimum, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. <clears throat> One Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. So we're, we're meeting this guy right here, right? So Aristarchus right here, we know that he's from Macedonia. So he, he's a Macedonian, and he lived in the capital city of Thessalonica at this time. And Aristarchus, his name actually means best ruler or best prince, okay? And we see that he was a fellow worker with Paul. And he, he was first mentioned in the book of Acts. And the first time he's mentioned was during when they had the riot at Ephesus. That's where we first hear about this guy. And that's what we're going to look at. So let's go back to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. <clears throat> verse, I'm going to read uh, verse 21 through 27. Acts 19, starting in verse 21. And the Bible says, After these things were ended... Paul proposed in spirit when, when he had passed through <clears throat> Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. So he sent unto Macedonia two of them that ministered unto him, Timothy and Erastus, but he himself stayed in Asia for <clears throat> a season. And the same time there arose no small stir about that way. Here we see, what is that way? What are they talking about? Well, that way was, they're talking about, there was, and it says no small stir. That's the clue. There's no small stir about what? Christianity. So 
there's a group of people that are, are pretty upset about the preaching of the Word of God here. And this is what we're looking at. And verse 24 says, For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen. So this guy, Demetrius, he's a leader of these silversmiths, and they make little statues of Diana, and they sell them, and they make a lot of money doing this, okay? So verse 25, whom he called together with the workmen of like occupation and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have made our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear not that not alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods which are made with hands, so that not only this our craft is in danger to to be set at naught, but also that the temple of the great goddess Diana should be despised and her magnificence should be destroyed, whom all Asia and the world worshipeth. Okay, there's a lot going on here, but we see that here they are in Ephesus. Paul's preaching. He's preaching what? The word of God. Well, this word of God, and he says right here, this guy, this guy he doesn't, he's obviously not a Christian. But through his own admission, the preaching is going through all of Asia. It's spreading, okay? And he doesn't like this. It upset this guy, Demetrius. And he was like the leader of a union, a union of these metal workers, right? And they made these little idols for a living, okay? And he's saying, you know, if we can't make these little idols, we make these little idols, and if everybody becomes a Christian, they're not going to buy them anymore because they're not going to look at, they, they said that, you know, Diana's not a real, or this goddess is not a real god. And they're going to, you know, they're going to not buy her stuff, you know. So, you know, they're going to, you know, he probably made T-shirts and coffee cups and whatever for this lady, this, this fake goddess. And here Christianity is coming along and, and messing with her money. That's what it is. It's hitting their pocketbook and it's bothering them, right? So, I mean, can you imagine today, is there any industry that you could think of, okay, that makes gods other than our God, the one true God? and makes money off of it. And I was thinking, there's not a company out there today making little gods that are making lots of money, I don't think, that I know of. But think about, think about the music industry, okay? Who's the god of the music industry? It's Satan, okay? And even in this contemporary Christian music, it's Satan, I'm sorry. Contemporary Christian is not Christian. It's Satan with a sheep's clothing on him, okay? And if we think about that, the music industry, just the music industry alone, makes billions and billions and billions of dollars. What would happen if the world had a revival and we turned against the music industry? It's exactly what would happen here. There would be an uproar in this, this whole world, okay? And they wouldn't, they wouldn't stand for it because that's where they make millions of dollars. So that's kind of what Demetrius is doing here. He's, he's stirring up because, they, man, he sees what's coming. This Christianity is going to be bad for their pocketbooks. So let's go Acts 19 again. Let's look at verse 28 and 29. And the Bible says, And when they heard these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of, Eph of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion, having caught Gaius and uh, Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel. They rushed with one accord into the theater. So what just happened? So this guy sees that their industry is going to go down because of Christianity. 
And he stirs up the, the metalsmiths with him. They run out there. They grab Gaius. They grab Aristarchus. And they drag them to the theater. I guess a big meeting area in that town. Okay? Well, here we already see that he, Aristarchus is described as being a travel companion from Macedonia. And they were seized by this angry mob. They were, they, why, did they, why did they seize these two guys? Because they were there with Paul preaching the gospel. And they couldn't find Paul. So they grabbed who they could. Okay? So they grabbed this angry mob, grabs these two guys, Aristarchus and, and Gaius, and, and they're in danger, right? They're in danger of probably at least getting beat pretty good, if not death. Okay? But if we read on, we see that a couple hours later, the city clerk was able to persuade them to disperse and release these guys. Why do you think that city clerk did that? Because he was hearing the gospel, I bet you. And he was believing it. And it was in his heart. Maybe that seed was planted. And he knew these were men of God. But this is that Aristarchus we see, this guy that, that we're learning about. He was there, right? So let's look at uh, Acts chapter 20 in verses 1 through 4. The Bible says, And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go to Macedonia. And when they had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came unto Greece. And there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him, as he was about to sail into Syria, he proposed to return through Macedonia. And there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Bera, of the, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus, and Segundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and of Asia, uh, Tychius and Timotheus. Timotheus. So we see here this guy is again. He's still there, okay? And we don't know really, the Bible doesn't give us anything about Aristarchus' background or, or how he became a Christian or what he did, his life or anything. All we do know is that he followed Jesus, right? Even after a riot in Ephesus where he's grabbed up and drugged to a theater and, and looking at probably in death's door, did that persuade, did that make him go away? He said, oh, I'm not following this Jesus anymore. No, he's still there. He's still serving, okay? He could have been killed, but he's still faithful to Jesus, and he's still a faithful companion of Paul. This is what Paul's telling us. And he went on several missionary journeys with Paul. And, and you know, after this trouble in Ephesus, it finally died down. Paul went to Greece, and he decided to return to Macedonia after he had stayed away for three months, okay? Well, guess what? Aristarchus went back with him. He was one who traveled with him. He was still serving Christ and still following and, and still spreading the word even after all this. So let's go to Acts chapter 27. Acts 27, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Acts 27, verses 1 and 2. And, and when it was determined that, they, that we should sail into Italy... They delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named just Julius, a certain a centurion of Augustus' band, and entering into a ship of, I can't see it, Adranatema, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. Here we see he's named again. Okay, here he is. He's still with Paul. He's on this voyage to Rome, and he sounds like he's a prisoner with Paul. Why is he a prisoner? 
Did he do anything wrong? No. He's preaching the gospel. He's with Paul. He's witnessing to people. He's doing what Jesus told them to do. Remember Matthew, the very end of the last, the last few verses of chapter 28? Told us to all to go preach the gospel of all the world. That's what he's doing. He got put in prison for it. So let's look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. <clears throat> Colossians chapter 4, verse 10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. So here we see this is Paul's letter to the Colossians, right? And he, what's he talking about? He's indicating that Aristarchus was a prisoner with him. He said, yeah, he was a fellow prisoner with me. And this was during his first Roman imprisonment, okay? So we see Aristarchus is, is there when he gets wrapped up in Ephesus in a riot. He's there in prison, but he's still serving, okay? So let's go to Philemon, Philemon verse one, or chapter 1, the only chapter. Let's go there and see what Aristarchus does after this. Because he's preaching the word of God, but he's going through a lot, isn't he? Okay, we're going to read Philemon and verses 23 and 24. The Bible says, There salute thee, Apiprius, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers. So what do we learn from just these couple verses about him? Well, this is the last time that Aristarchus is mentioned by name in the Bible. And, and he's mentioned in, in Paul's letter to Philemon, right? And here he's identified as what? A fellow laborer in the ministry of Christ. He's a fellow laborer. Okay, well, we all know that once you get saved, it's not all roses and, you know, and, and popsicles, right? Well, we see that by his life. He got saved, he started following, he started serving, and he's went through a lot already. And, and, but Paul clearly valued the work of his friend, Aristarchus, didn't he? He, 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 he valued his, his work in spreading the word of God. And the Bible doesn't tell us anything else about Aristarchus' life except for these few things. But if we look at history, we can, you know, we can Google it in history. History says that he became a bishop in Syria and was martyred during the reign of Nero. Well, if history is true, that means he continued serving till his death, right? And although Aristarchus, he's only mentioned a few times in the Bible, we know what? We know that he was a fellow follower of Jesus, right? He was faithful, because even after all the trouble he went through, he was still there, right? And he went through some rough times, right alongside Paul. He got wrapped up in a riot. He got thrown in prison. He went through a lot, but he continued to serve. Now, I ask you to think about your lives. When you go through rough times, are you still faithful to Christ, or do you back off? Think about that, because Christ doesn't back off from us. He didn't back off all the way to the cross where he died. Do we back off when it gets tough for us? Well, Aristarchus didn't, and he can teach us that. that he can also teach us that we don't have to be the high profile. We don't have to be Paul to accomplish great things for Christ, right? And that's what he did. And, and he's only mentioned a few times, but he still served Christ enough to get his name listed in his Bible and to list things he did, right? And it doesn't matter what others see us doing, because God sees everything. That's who we're serving, and that's what Aristarchus did.
Let's look to another guy. Okay, this guy's name is Tychicus. Tychicus. And this guy also, he's only mentioned about five times in the New Testament, but Tychicus is one of those followers of Jesus that we probably don't realize just how important his service was, and we're going to look at that. Let's look, go back to Acts chapter 20 in verses 3 through 4. Acts 20, verses 3 through 4. And the Bible says, And there abode three months, and, and when the Jews laid wait for him, and as he was about to sail into Syria, he proposed to return through Macedonia. And there accompanied him in Asia, Sopater of Berea, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Segundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and of Asia. Uh, there he is, Tychicus and Trimotheus. So Tychicus was there. And this is where we first meet him. He's during Paul's uh, third missionary journey, and he's listed, what, as one of Paul's companions. That means he's serving God. He's following. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And we see that he was with Paul when he traveled to Asia. And, and it's funny because that's where Tychicus came from. So more and more along the, somewhere along the way, he heard preaching, and he hooked up with Paul, and he got saved, and he started following and serving Christ, and he went back to his own country, right? Well, let's go to Ephesians and see what happens to this guy. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, verse 20 through 24. Ephesians 6, verses 20 through 24. <clears throat> and the Bible says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that ye also may know my affairs and how I do. Tychicus, a, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known to you all things. Whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to you, brethren, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be, unto, grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So what is, what is Paul telling us about Tychicus here? Well, this is during his, his third missionary journey. He's traveling around. And we see that he's listed as one of Paul's companions. So he's still serving. He's still there, right? And we see Paul travel to Asia where, where Tychicus was from. And here we see Paul called Tychicus what in this, in this text? He called him a beloved brother and a faithful minister of the Lord. A beloved brother and a faithful minister of the Lord. That's a lot right there. We could stop. That's a lot, though. That is a lot. And, and, and we see that, that um, while Paul was in prison, he sends Tychicus to the Ephesians. So why? So they would get the good news of what was happening to early the early Christians in the early church. And he sent them, and it says here, to comfort their hearts. And how did he comfort their hearts? Did he take them popsicles? No. He sent them to preach the gospel. He sent this guy out to preach. And he said he ministered to them. So part of Tychicus' ministry was to encourage other Christians. He was an encourager. That was his gift. We've talked about, we've talked about gifts that God gives us. And that was one of his, and he went out preaching. And Paul had faith enough for him to do that. Well, let's also look at uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 7. Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. 
and we're going to read 7 through 8. Colossians 4, 7 through 8. The Bible says, All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. Wow. Here he is again. So we see here it is again. It's talking about Paul is telling the Christians about Tychicus, isn't he? And what does he describe him as in these verses? A beloved brother. Not just a brother, a beloved brother. Okay? And he's not just a minister. He describes him as a faithful minister. Faithful. Means he doesn't stop serving. Okay? He also says he's a fellow servant in the Lord. He's right there with Paul. He's in the battle, right? So we see Tychicus has to be saved. He's spreading the word of God, and he's serving faithfully. We don't know where he came from, what he did, but here we know what he's doing. And we know that Paul trusted Tychicus enough, right, to deliver letters to the Ephesians and to the Colossians, right, to bring news to those new churches. And, And not only to bring them news of what's going on, to minister to them and to comfort their hearts to encourage them these are young churches right they need encouragement because what's satan going to try to do he's going to try to infiltrate them he's going to try to stomp them well that's what paul had enough faith in him to send him out and take those letters and you think about it these letters that 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 we see here that were delivered to these early churches were very very important we can look at them and go oh it's just the book of the bible but we don't understand how important these are because back in this time they didn't have the ups did they they didn't have FedEx. They didn't have USPS. They didn't have email. They couldn't text each other. And they didn't have Facebook. What a shame. So these letters were highly important. And this is how important they are. I found a, a, a stat that says back in biblical times, okay, if you're thinking about biblical times versus today, the news that we can receive by all the media, by TV, radio, Facebook, all the news that we receive in one day is equal to the news that these people received in their lifetime. So think about that, how important this letter would be. Paul wouldn't just hand it to anybody. He handed it to somebody he trusted, okay? And that was Tychicus. Well, let's look at, um, let's look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. See where this guy's going. Titus chapter 3, and, and we're just going to look at verse 12, says, When I shall send Ar- Armetheus unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me at Nepoclius, for I have determined there to winter. So what's, what's going on here? We see that Tychicus was one of the men that Paul intended to send out to Titus to tell him that I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay here during the winter, come visit me. Now, you think about it. You know, winter comes, winter goes, we hop in our trucks and drive, right? Well, back then, if you're going to travel in the winter and it's snowing and cold and rainy, it's a little different when you're on foot, right? And you've got your cloak and you're walking in your little sandals. Yeah, if it's bad, you might want to winter somewhere, right? And that's what he's telling. He trusts Tychicus to go out. You see how much trust he places in this man. And that's not because Tychicus is, is a great man. It's because God is great inside of Tychicus, Okay. Let's go to 2 Timothy, chapter 4. 
2 Timothy chapter 4. Second Timothy chapter 4 and, and verse 11 through 13. And the Bible says, Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring, with, bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee and the books, but especially the parchments. Especially the parchments. What is Paul talking about? Well, here we see that Tychicus was with Paul in Rome, right? And this was during his second Roman imprisonment. Poor guy gets thrown in prison a lot, doesn't he? But Paul trusts Tychicus. He trusts him. He trusts him enough to send him to Ephesus so Timothy could come visit him. Because what did he tell Timothy? Hey, here's a grocery list of things I need. Bring these to me. Okay? So at Paul's directions, Tychicus... What did he do? He went out, he delivered news, he, he went in there, but he acted as a fill-in pastor in those churches at, at Crete and Ephesus. He was filling in for Titus and Timothy while they were going to see Paul. So he didn't just leave the churches hanging and say, hey, come over here and visit me. Because it's not like he could hop in his truck. Timothy could hop in his truck and drive to visit Paul and then come back in one day. I'm sure it was a journey, you know. Imagine if you had to walk from your house to your place of work every day. That wouldn't be fun. I'd want to live much closer. So that's the trust that, that Paul had in Tychicus, and that's the amount of, of faithfulness he had. That's the beloved brother he was. So let's look at 2 Corinthians, verse 8. 2 Corinthians, verse 8. <clears throat> and we're going to read verses 21 and 22. 2 Corinthians, verse 8, verses 21 and 22. The Bible says, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but now much more diligent upon the great <coughs> confidence. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but now much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what are we looking at? We're talking about a guy that's serving Christ, right? It doesn't have a name here. But we see this is an unnamed Christian, right? But he's described as a brother who was often very <coughs> diligent, <clears throat> a brother who was often helpful, <clears throat> and it says that had had became even more so over time. And, and Paul, it says here that he had great confidence in Okay, well, if you read a lot of the commentaries, they say that this portion right here that Paul is talking about Tychicus because it describes the service that he had to the early church. It describes exactly what Tychicus was. And he's not mentioned anymore in the Bible. We will find him anymore in the Bible. But what we do know about this guy is very impressive, right? He has a pretty good pedigree and is very praiseworthy. He was trusted as a messenger. He was a fellow preacher in Christ. He was a loyal friend. And Paul had great confidence in him, as we saw. He, was, he, sent, he had confidence in him to send him out to accomplish many important tasks. He sent him with letters. He sent him to do preaching. He did a lot. He moved around for the early church, and Paul trusted him. And Tychicus, he had the ability to minister. And why is that? How could he have the ability to minister? Because God gave him that gift. Okay? 
and because he knew God. And he ministered in very various situations, right? And he moved around to the churches, and he brought encouragement to the churches he went to. It doesn't say that he had a home church, but he traveled, okay? And he went as encouragement. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. Let's go back to Titus one more time. Titus chapter 1. <clears throat> I think Chris is getting me sick. Titus chapter 1 in verses 7 through 9. The Bible says, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast to the faithful word as he hath been taught that he may be able to be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Wow. So these qualities that we're looking here, those are qualities of a church elder, right? Tychicus possessed all of those. He was a man of God, and he was a faithful servant, even though he went through some stuff, right? Well, that's Tychicus. You know, and, I, and when we started this, you know, like I said, we all think about John the Baptist and Paul and you know, the 12 disciples, whether you can name them or not. And I always think, man, I wish I could be like Paul. I wish I could be like Peter. I, but when you get to really looking at these guys, these guys are only mentioned a few times in the Bible. I still look at them and go, man, I wish I could just be like them. They were amazing, and they're only mentioned a few times. Now, this next guy we're going to look at is only mentioned once, okay? But there's a lot to learn here. His name is Eutychus. I hope that's right. Eutychus. So here we meet a young man, and if you look up, his name means fortunate. And, you, and we're going to read this story, and you're going to think about that being fortunate. Fortunate, okay? So we're going to go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, and we're going to look at old uh, Eutychus. Or Eutychus, maybe. I don't know. He should have been named, you know, a name that I know. It's his fault. So, Eutychus is a young guy, and I'm going to read Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12, and think about the word fortunate as we read this, okay? Just think about it. 7 through 12, 7 through 12 the Bible says, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain man, certain young man named uh, Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him and embraced him, embracing him, said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. Wow, short verses, not many there, but there's a lot in there. Okay, remember fortunate? So let's look at this. We see this is near the end of Paul's third missionary journey. He sailed from Philippi on his way back to Jerusalem, right? And, and he was taking a gift to the church there, but he spent a week in Troas, 
And on the first day of the week, it's pretty important, the first day of the week, guys. On the first day of the week, he came together to break bread. He's doing what God told him to do, right? He's doing right. Paul began preaching. He's preaching on the first day of the week. And he intended to leave the next day, right? So he probably thought it was pretty important to get some points out, like, you know, First, first point, second point, and sub points, and all those points, right? He's getting them out, right? Because he kept going till midnight. And y'all imagine Brother Larry preaching till midnight. Woo! So it says there were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting. It's because it got dark. So it's dark, it's late. But this young man, uh, Eutychus, is, he's sitting in a window, okay? Because it's probably hot in there. They didn't have like air conditioning, like we could turn down to 50. So he's sitting in a window, and he's still listening to the preaching, but he's starting to get sleepy. And it says he's sinking into a deep sleep as Paul continued to preach. How many of y'all fell asleep while Brother Ray was preaching? Please don't raise your hand. Okay? But that's what he did. He fell asleep. And it says when he was sound asleep, he fell out of that third-story window, and he hit the ground, and he was dead. Okay? But his name means fortunate. He's dead. Okay. Well, Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and he put his arms around him, and, and he told everybody to not be alarmed because he was still alive. He says life's still in him. And I'm sure the crowd's going, yeah, right. He just fell three stories and cracked his head, right? No. But then he went upstairs again, and he, he broke bread, and he ate, and he, he preached until daylight. Imagine staying here while pastor preached till daylight, and then he left, Right? Well, the people took the young man home because he was alive. He was alive, okay? And it says they were greatly comforted. And I'm sure they were. This is probably his family. They were probably pretty upset when he fell and died, but they were greatly comforted. And, and if we look at this story, things we could pull from it. We could say that this story is a warning against sleeping in church, right? Especially if you're on the third story. Or it could also be a warning against preaching too long. But it's not. This true meaning of this story right here is for one purpose only, to show the power of God, without a doubt. Okay? But we're talking about this guy, Eutychus, right? And we don't know anything about, about this guy. This is the only time he's mentioned, except what we're told in this few verses. But we know something here. We know he was a young man. Okay, he's a young man. Think about young men today. Okay? I don't know. Maybe he's 18, 19, 20, 21. Who knows? He's a young man but he was actually interested in hearing the word of God. He was interested enough to sit there through hours and hours of Paul preaching and getting sub points and read points and all kind of points. But he was interested enough to sit there. When we were young, how interested were we in the word of God? How about our young people today? Are they interested in the word of God? Or they, they can't stand 15 minutes, right? This guy took hours. He was so interested that he continued listening to the Word of God until he fell asleep and he fell out the window. Okay? We don't know how, how long he fought that sleep, but he fell asleep after hours. Not after minutes, after hours. So he was interested in the Word of God. And he fell, he died, but God decided to look on him with love and mercy. He was fortunate, right? Because he got back to life. He was fortunate because he sat there and listened to the word of God and he was interested. He was drawn to God. Okay, and we don't know whatever happened after him, but he was fortunate. He was fortunate, right? That's what his name meant. So 
You know, Atticus, he fell from the third through window. He died, but because of God's love and mercy and grace, he brought him back to life. And we don't know whatever happened after his, uh, in his life after this, but I guarantee you there's a pretty good chance that he followed Jesus, didn't he? You listen to the word of God for hours, and you're interested, and then you fall and die, and, and God raises you from the dead? You don't think you're going to follow him? I don't think he turned against him, right? He was fortunate to what? He was fortunate to hear the word of God, right? What if he would have died before he heard the word of God? What if he had no, he just, just couldn't stand sitting there listening to the word of God, couldn't wait to get out of that room, and he died? He didn't. He listened. He was fortunate to hear the word of God before he died, right? How fortunate is that? How many people are not fortunate in this world, and they don't hear the word of God before they die? Okay? He was very fortunate, but then he was also fortunate because how many people go through their whole lives and then they get old and worn out, they hear the word of God, they get saved, but now they can't serve God because they're too old. And they're just worn out, and they only have a few days left. He was fortunate enough, he was a young man. He got back to life, and he was fortunate enough that he could spend the rest of his life serving God and teaching people about Christ and getting married and having kids that he raised to know Christ. So, yes, he was very fortunate. Okay. Man, y'all rushing me. We're going to look at one more guy. One more guy. Acts chapter 21. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 17. <clears throat> Acts 21, <clears throat> verses 15 through 17. And, and the Bible says, And after those days we took up our carriages and, and went up to Jerusalem. There went also with... Also with, uh, I'm sorry, there went with us also certain of the disciples of Sisera and brought with them one, uh, one, I think his name is Nason of Cyprus, an old, old disciple with whom we should lodge. And when we were come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. So this guy is named one time right here. But God wanted his name to be there for a reason. And why is that? Well, let's look at this. So we see that this is towards the end of the third missionary journey of Paul. This man named Nason, he accompanied Paul on his trip from Caesarea to Jerusalem. He's there with him. He's traveling with him. And it says he was a native of Cyprus, and he was described as being an old disciple. Okay? Now, it doesn't tell us if it meant because... It was an old disciple because he was older in age and he became a disciple of Christ? Or had he been a Christian for some time? I mean, this early church hasn't been around that long, but if you've been saved three years and you got saved when the first church started, you would be considered an old disciple if you've been hanging around that long, right? So we don't know exactly why they called him the old disciple, but we do know that he was there with Paul, and we do know that he let Paul and the company of people that came with him to stay in his house when he got to Jerusalem. Okay? So he was serving God, and he's not a very well-known guy here. We don't know much about him, where he came from, where he went, but we do know he was with Paul. We do know when Paul came to Jerusalem, he let him stay in his house, him and his whole company. Would you all let this whole church come stay in your house? I didn't think so. But we do know about these men. So we see these men, these, these four guys we looked at today, they went through a lot. They were put in prison. 
They were drugged into a theater and almost killed. You know, they, they traveled a lot. They were, they were moving around. Uh, one of them fell out of a window and died. But what do they all have in common? They had a thirst for the word of God. And they served and they followed. We don't know where they came from. We don't know even where they went afterwards, most of them. But we do know when the Bible put their name in here, it put it in here for reasons to show us as an example of how we should be serving God. And, and, and you think about the rough times they went through, especially almost getting killed and put in prison. You know, they didn't turn their back on Christ. What do we do when we have little hiccups in our life? You know, we get crossways with each other. You know, or, or, you know, what about our kids? They're young. Will they sit through hours of preaching? And is it because we haven't taught them right? We didn't teach them since they were little? Maybe. But we need to serve Christ, no matter how old we are. Whether we're called an old disciple in age or because we've been serving a long time, we need to serve and we need to follow. We not need to be thrown off the track, no matter how rough times get, right? Okay, let's pray, guys. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you again today just to thank you for this moment to open your Bible, just to, to hear your word of God, Lord, and just to, I ask you just to let it fill our hearts and our minds today, Lord, and I ask you to continue to let it just dwell in us for the rest of this day, Lord, and, and just prepare us for our, our tent meeting next week, which is, is, is going to be an endeavor, Lord, and, and just I ask you to meet with us today and prepare our hearts and our minds for you for this week, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.